hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near RotoWire headquarters over in Madison. We are grateful for the support from our new sponsor at Owner's Box and look forward to working with them this season. Off the top of today's show, AJ, we have to address the shocking news out of Chicago where Kyle Beach, a former first-round draft pick of the Hawks, revealed that he was the victim of sexual misconduct by the club's deposed video coordinator from an incident in 2010. Stan Bowman, the Hawks' former GM, has already resigned over this situation, but others are now being questioned, including Joel Quenville and Kevin Sheveldayoff, despite now holding down prominent jobs elsewhere in the NHL. There may, there may well be more follow-up from this. We expect some, but this is such a horrible circumstance for such a young victim, and I'm sad that we have to report on such a thing when we should be all happy about the beginning of the hockey season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I admit I was a little surprised that uh, Quenville went ahead and coached the game last night. I thought it would have been more appropriate for him to maybe take himself out of that position until he meets uh, with Gary Bettman. Uh, Shovel Day Off is also scheduled to meet with with Gary Bettman. So, um, yeah, I was a little little surprised by that fact, and um, I, I do think it's it's entirely possible we'll we'll see something else happen here. I understand their teams kind of being in, in holding patterns now, like let let them meet with with Gary Bettman before you make any sort of uh, decision moving forward. Um, But I I do think it was uh, an interesting choice to allow him to be on the bench. I think if I was running uh, the the Panthers there, I would have basically said like, Hey man, uh, you're not coaching tonight. Uh, It's, it's not, it's not necessarily an admission of guilt. If you don't coach, I just think we need to be sensitive to this situation and wait until you have a chance to meet with the commissioner um, before we put you back on the bench. That, that that would have been my choice if I ran the team there, at least. Yeah, and, the, and further to that, Gary Bettman is going to meet with both of these gentlemen in the coming days. And typically, when you meet with somebody at the NHL level, there is going to be some fallout there. So um, we're waiting with bated breath on the situation. But I've got to say, my heart goes out to this kid, still only in his 30s to me. He's much younger than I am, so I'll refer to him that way. He's not much younger than you, AJ, but I can't imagine this guy trying to pick up the pieces from his life after that incident where he was basically shut out of the organization. And while while this video coordinator was part of the Stanley Cup celebrations, there's no more disgusting fallout than that, I would say, that one guy who was the victim suffered so much and the other guy gets off, gets to go prancing around with the Stanley Cup. I think that's awful and and justice needs to be served here in some way. Well, and I would just add, Paul, like, I, I think they need to start the process. It's, it's not unprecedented, but they should uh, etch his name out, out of the cup. I, I would, um, you know, Aldrich is listed on, on the Stanley cup as it's, as it stands right now. And I, I feel in this instance, especially given the other cases that have come up, it's, it's, it's no longer a, you know, accused, you know, it's these incidents happened. Um, and I, I don't think even if there was just an accusation, I don't know that we need to consider due process when we're talking about a name on the Stanley Cup necessarily. So I, I think that would be the next step for the NHL is I think they need to get that name off the cup. Um, I've seen a, a previous example of when that's happened. And, and I think that would be an appropriate step moving forward here. I couldn't agree with you more, partner, but uh, let's hold on and hope that uh, this thing gets resolved to the victim's satisfaction more than anybody else at the end of the day and uh, wish him the very best going forward. Now we turn our attention, partner, to the fact that we're two weeks into the NHL schedule and we see some strange results in the early going, particularly when you look at the standing standings in some of the divisions. There's some positive turns for some teams, some negative for others, and we got most of them right, I'm happy to say. So we're going to dig into each roster and explain these early trends. AJ, beginning with your look at the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I think with uh, with Anaheim, you know, the biggest uh, biggest thing has been 
in my opinion, you know, the, the play of, uh, you know, John Gibson has been pretty solid. I mean, it's not fan fantastic. He's obviously had better years, better numbers, but he's two, two and one to start the year. Um, those losses coming against good teams most recently, um, you know, Winnipeg, Minnesota, and then Winnipeg again. So uh, start off strong, uh, and I think he'll bounce back here a little bit. And then also you have to point to some of the younger guys, like uh, Ricard Raquel has has two goals, Troy Terry two goals, uh, Getzloff with a pair of assists. So they're getting production kind of throughout their lineup in terms of that. Now their spots in the standings, you know, I don't expect them to – be competing in the the Pacific anytime soon, but they're certainly not going to be maybe the easy out that, that I think we might have thought they were going to be at the start of the year. And uh, in Arizona, AJ Carter Hutton's out with a lower body injury. He's expected to return in mid November. That leaves the goaltending to Ivan Prostatov and Carol Bimelka. That's your new goalie tandem there. If you think that's trouble, consider their center depth where you have Barrett Hayton, Johan Larson, Travis Boyd, and Jay Beagle as numbers one through four, respectively. These guys were all fourth liners somewhere else last year. Maybe a couple of them were even in Arizona. But that just tells you that uh, there's not a lot of fantasy value that we're going to be talking about here. I mean, we even thought that maybe Jacob Chikrin should be regarded as one of the top offensive defenseman in the game he certainly had a year like that last year and was going into that role in Arizona but the early returns on him are not spectacular at all no points minus 10 you can look at the 20 shots on goal if you want in the six games at least that's very good but boy oh boy that's grasping at straws in the Arizona situation take me back to Boston and let me know what's going on with one of the Leaf rivals AJ yeah, absolutely. The the Bruins here to, you know, to start the year, um, maybe not exactly where we would have thought they were. I, w- I would describe the Atlantic uh, as not being where we thought they were when you consider that Florida, Buffalo and Detroit are the three uh, playoff teams coming out of there right now. But this is probably a temporary hit a cup. Um, I, you know, we we both, I think, expressed some concerns about the goaltending situation here. Uh, Linus Olmark, for his part, 2-1, and 0.92 uh, save percentage. That's certainly fine. I think the bigger concern is Jeremy Swayman with a 0.885 save percentage to start the year. He's going to need to be significantly better for them moving forward if if they're going to, um, you, know, bo- you know, bounce back from maybe a, a tricky start to the year. But in terms of offensive production, it's everybody that you want to be uh, is at the top of this list, you know, Marchant with seven points, Pasternak with five, Coyle with four. Uh, Taylor Hall has two goals and an assist. I mean, if you want to get picky, Charlie McAvoy just two assists through the five games. So you can maybe say that's a concern. But overall, I think they look pretty good um, from the the offensive standpoint and and maybe just some minor tweaks and improvement in the, the goaltending mix. And uh, you mentioned the Buffalo Sabres. Boy, oh boy, am I – taking my hat off for this crew in the early going. I can't believe they're off to such a great start. I mean, they've got the offense. You knew it was going to be falling to the likes of Victor Olofsson and maybe Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner's got three points in six games so far, AJ scoring at a 40-point pace. That's not great considering his cap hit. But when you consider that would be better than the sum of the last two seasons, at least it's a step in the right direction. But the situation in the net is is the one that deserves a mention here. The tandem of Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski was panned mercilessly in this corner by me. I'll admit that. But in the early going, Craig Anderson's sitting there with a 3-1 and one record, a goals against of, two point, uh, of 1.76, and then Dustin Tokarski with a couple of appearances. This is a career AHL goalie. 141 is the goals. These are soccer goals against averages. We were talking before the show that you're taking more of a role on in Rotowire soccer uh, presence. You've got to see goals against like this in the soccer stuff more than hockey. And I can't believe it at the moment. I would never be talking about uh, numbers this low. It can't last, can it? No, probably not. I, I, I wouldn't expect it to. Um, one thing that you can also maybe not expect to last throughout the entire season, um, but so far so good in Carolina, is uh, Freddie Anderson off to a 5-0 and start with a 9-4-6 save percentage, one 0.60 goals against average. Man, it's a real good thing 
that Toronto got rid of this guy. He's just been so uh, terrible for the Carolina Hurricanes this That's year. One. I mean, you know, fortunately, Toronto's net mining has been perfect without Freddie Anderson around. Um, this was just a great decision by Toronto. Um, you know, I, I obviously a lot of the credit goes to him, but um, you also have to look at the rest of this group in the last week here. Um, you've got Aho with four goals, one assist, Svechnikov, two goals, Teravainen, a trio of assists, and even the blue line chipping in, uh, Jack, Jacob Slavin, three assists, uh, Tony D'Angelo, two assists. So uh, offense is going really well. Goaltending is is uh, been unbeatable in terms of their, their top guy at this point. And so uh, it should come as no surprise uh, that Carolina's uh, sitting right there atop. They've played two fewer games than Washington. That's the only reason that they're behind them on points. They're one of the last two remaining undefeated clubs uh, in the NHL, and, and they'll continue to ride Freddie Anderson moving forward. Well, you talk about the goalie situation there. The goalie situation in Calgary, uh, we know Markstrom's going to be a workhorse there, but they had a busy week, and they had four games, and Daniel Bledder appeared in two of them, notching two victories and giving up only a total of six goals against. So good early returns for the backup keeper there. And they're in great shape with Markstrom. He got two wins, a shutout, and one goal against in his other start. So he's on top of his game. And I I said at the beginning of the season, this guy's going to be a contender for the Vesna, in my opinion. He just seems to have all the tools. And, I mean, it was a new situation moving from Vancouver to Calgary last year. But now uh, he's had a year under his belt in new day, a new location. And I think... He is primed to, to be among the top 10 busiest goalies, but I think his numbers are going to be there at the end of the day, offensive uh, uh, record-wise as well, in terms of wins. In, well, terms of, in terms of the offense, AJ, pardon me, uh, I'll continue with a quick quick little blurb on a couple of guys that are going really strong now. Andrew Mangiapane led all shooters in the past seven days. I mean, we're looking, we're talking to you on Thursday afternoon here. So uh, in the last seven days, he's got six goals to lead all shooters. Elias Lindholm, though, has, has found a home in the top uh, line at center with five goals and one helper. And his other wing, one of his wingers there, Matthew Tuchuk, has two goals. Johnny Gaudreau, six assists on the other side. So the top line there making a bid to be one of the best lines in hockey if they can continue, continue anywhere near this pace. They're getting good support from the defense, actually, too. Uh, we, we thought, where's the offense going to come from the back end? And the guy that I thought would be part of it was Rasmus Anderson. He's got two helpers. So does uh, Good Branson. He, he has three assists last week. Don't expect him to keep it up. I'm thinking Rasmus Anderson, though, is the real deal there. One guy who is definitely the real deal and, and is showing that is Seth Jones with the Chicago Blackhawks. Four assists in the last week, three of them coming with the man advantage. So he's clearly fitting exactly the role that they expected him to slide into. Unfortunately for the Blackhawks, they're winless. And uh, I have to put nearly all of the blame on the net minding here. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury clearly not filling the role that that they were hoping he would. He's 0-4 through just four appearances here, a 5.75 goals against average. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, you know, hasn't been significantly better. He's 0-1-2. He's at least earned their team a a couple of points there, but also a sub-900 save percentage for him as well on on the year. So, you know, I don't know what uh, they need to do, but – Without goaltending, it's it's not going to matter how good Seth Jones is, you know, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, uh, who missed some time. Uh, and, you know, that is part of the problem here, to, to be fair. Uh, they have a number of guys out for uh, COVID, Henrik Borgstrom, Juju Kahara, Patty Kane, of course. Uh, and without these guys, you know, you're stretching the depth here uh, of this organization. A guy like Mike Hardman playing a top six, six role, um, and, you know, is not a, a, a good recipe for success for them. Although Hardman's, you know, played decently just to start the year, but uh, yeah, COVID playing some havoc there, but still ultimately it's going to come down to the net minding. And uh, net minding is another story here in Columbus, AJ. Elvis Merz-Lickens picked up two wins with only three goals against last week. We know that he's dedicated the season to Matthias Kivlenix, who was in the mix with the goaltending 
uh, trio in Columbus, but died tragically in the offseason. So this year by Merce Lickens, he's vowed that he's going to do everything that he can to represent both of them. And uh, it's a tribute to him all season long from the, from the young netminers holding down the fort now and out playing Eunice Corpus Hall at the moment. We were looking for where, wondering where the offense was going to come on this team beyond Patrick Liney and maybe a revitalized Max Domi. Domi is out of the picture with injury situations dogging him early in the season. But Boone Jenner, the new captain there, I didn't know that he was going to chip in regularly, but he got two goals last week. I wonder if he can keep up a regular pace. Uh, Jack Voracek, two assists. And, uh, well, you're just adding to me on the fly here. Domi has come off the IR, you pointed out. You have better information than me at the Roto-Wire head office, so I'll defer to you on that score. But the fact is that the young uh, forward hasn't delivered the goods offensively. It's still fallen to the likes of Oliver Bjorkstrand to carry the mail here. He's got five points under his belt last week. And it's I'm happy to see that Brad uh, that uh, Wierenski uh, on defense has been able to accept that he's now without his running mate, Seth Jones, and he picked up three points last week. He's going to have to be a workhorse on the back end, and I think he's going to be one of the big minute eaters around the NHL. Another player who's a big minute eater uh, every year is Nathan McKinnon, plays pretty heavy minutes for, for a forward here, and that shows in his offensive production. One goal, four assists in their last three games here. Bit of a concern coming out of the morning skate here. Uh, Miko Rantanen left early, unclear if that's going to impact his availability tonight, but he's got two goals in the last week and certainly would uh, represent a big hit. They have struggled between uh, COVID suspensions and now this rant, potential Rantanen injury, they have struggled to keep those three guys on the ice together. And that's obviously a significant concern for them. Sam Garrard is also out um, due to a pretty unfortunate hit on him. Uh, and, and he'll be um, missing tonight's game. They still classify him as day-to-day, so it's possible it's not a long-term issue. Um, and he'll be back sooner rather than later, which would be good news for Colorado. Uh, They obviously are pretty stacked on the defense, so they should be able to get by. Bowen Byram is the player who will be elevated to the number two power play unit while Gerard is out of action. AJ, last year it seemed we talked so much about the Dallas Stars and their lengthy injury list. Well, I look up that injury list today on the Roto-Wire team pages, and they're all at full strength here, with the exception of Bishop, who figured to be on the shelf in the nets. But they've got a bunch of net-binding options here. And that's where I'll start with a surprised look on my face when I note that Brayden Holpe has been the most impressive of, of the netminders. I thought he was going to be third on the totem pole, but he's started five of the seven games so far. And his numbers are pretty decent there. So it's a defensive structure that this team is predicated on. I thought they were going to score more with with all hands on deck. But uh, among the top shooters, Tyler Sagan is the only guy that's performed in the past week with a couple of goals and one assist. And then the next uh, guys to show up anywhere on the score sheet with regularity are Heiskanen and Sutter on the blue line. Heiskanen is a guy that uh, came out of nowhere a couple of years ago to become a real presence here. Had four points last week, and I think we can expect he's going to get 40 to 50 this year. And I wonder if Sutter has an, uh, another year in him to, to be in that range. He's getting a little long in the tooth, and that's why he was expendable, uh, and Dallas picked him up. But uh, I still think he's a, he's a guy that can take on a lot of work, and uh, he's good at both ends, and he showed it last week. We're picking up a couple of helpers, too. One guy that also picked up a a number of helpers last week is Lucas Raymond for the Detroit Red Wings. In addition to two assists, he also bagged a trio of goals leading the way with with five points last week, tied with Dylan Larkin. And look, Lucas Raymond is not a name uh, that was on my radar to to start the season. Uh, He was a fourth overall pick back in 2020, put up really good numbers over in Sweden, but I kind of expected him to come over, start the year, in the minors do, you know, the adjustment period to, to the NHL. Um, you know, there's, there's different rink sizes. There's, there's all a whole mess of factors that, that sometimes take guys a little bit of uh, a little bit of time to adjust. Uh, clearly not the case with him. And while he's been probably the biggest surprise of the year, I, I do have to, you know, tip my cap to Thomas Grice, three, one and O to start the year. Now, look, that one loss was bad. And unfortunately uh, for you, Paul, that one loss was the first Montreal win of the season, something I know 
you were hoping wouldn't happen at any point during the year, but <laughs> bounced back last night with a, a win over the Washington uh, Capitals. So it's not like his wins have necessarily come, you know, yeah, Columbus, Vancouver, um, but he gets one over Washington and maybe, you know, sending a message here that they're going to be a bigger factor this season than, than I, at least I anticipated. Uh, you know, obviously right now they're sitting in a playoff spot in the Atlantic. Long way to go. They're just seven games in, but uh, certainly playing uh, above, you know, pun- punching a, above their weight class, if you will. I like that. AJ, if there's a guy who's uh, coming into a new situation as a free agent that's performed better than Zach Hyman, I haven't seen him. He's been lights out uh, as a great fit alongside Connor McDavid. That was the plum assignment that was dangled before him. This guy's living pretty well. He went from Austin Matthews to to Connor McDavid early in his career. That's not a bad one-two punch, I would say. But it's the guy on the right wing that is probably the sneaky good DFS value, and that's Jesse Pugliarvi. We both spoke glowingly of the way this guy kind of remade himself after a, a stint in in the Finnish Elite League last season, uh, last couple of seasons. And la- last year he came back overseas and he's been a nice fit among the top six years since then. Brings size and speed and really seems to have found his game. So that's the new look first line. And that uh, spillover is that they have a very strong looking second unit. They're not putting Dreisaitl alongside McDavid as a result. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins has really benefited greatly from his work on the second unit with Dreisaitl. And, and the sneaky value on the, on the right flank is Kyler Yamamoto. So that's really a, a credible top six over in Edmonton that I see at the moment. And uh, behind it all, Koskinen in the Nets has been a bit of a revelation. He's performed very well in, in his appearances today. He went 2-1 and one last week, carrying the load because Mike Smith is injured, allowing eight goals against along the way. I mentioned Zach Hyman. How about in the past week, AJ? Five goals. That's more than McDavid did, but McDavid had four assists as well. Drysaddle, 2-2, two and two, and Ryan Nushin Hopkins with six helpers. And I mentioned Pugliarvi, there's three more. So I, I back up what I said by the fact that these guys are delivering the goods. And on the back end, Tyson Berry doing Tyson Berry things again with four points. It's still a mystery to me how this guy lost his game in Toronto in the one year that he was here. Last year, he found it again. and had an outstanding offensive year, and it looks like he's picking up right where he left off. He just wants to, you know, make your life miserable, Paul. That's, yeah, just like you, pal. Just like you. <laughs> in, in Florida, we are talking about this is the other undefeated team. They are 7-0 and to start the year. Uh, a lot of that, look, there's no way else to put it. A lot of that is on the back of the net mining. Apparently, Sergei Bobrovsky needed a real challenge um, to, to lose his job. And, and he did see that happen during the postseason last year. He's got a, a 9.46 save percentage, 1.79 goals against average. Spencer Knight, though, for his part, even though he's playing in, in limited opportunities, 2-0 and as well with a 2.01 goals against average. So certainly not, uh, you know, uh, slacking on, on his side of it. And look, the other thing to point out with this Panthers team, I, I talked about the, the net mining, the goals allowed per game is 1.86. But the goals forward still sits at 4.43. So it's not like they're totally relying on on the offense or on the defense, rather, to, to win them games. Now, again, they've played a few more games than the, the rest of the league, but in strictly goals four, that's 31 tallies in seven games. Uh, and, and really, they seem unstoppable on both sides of the ice in terms of who's doing it, at least for the last week. Jonathan Huberto, three goals, four assists. Owen Tippett, two goals, one assist. Vinny Trocek, two goals, three assists. So it's not any one guy that's, you know, specifically carrying the load for them. They've had a number of guys chipping in throughout the lineup. Um, You know, if there's one spot that maybe you would look to, specifically in the last week here, um, Aaron Ekblad is about it in terms of defensive production, although – um, Gustav Forsling also has chipped in a trio of helpers. So I don't know. You you got to be real picky to find a problem with Florida right now. Absolutely. I had so many of their names among the top scorers in the past week that I just stopped taking note of them, AJ. Jonathan <laughs> Huberto with seven points. Trocek with five. Dadanoff with two goals. 
Duclair even with a couple of goals and, and Forsling on the back end, a guy that I have been using a little bit in DFS has picked up three helpers in the past week. But the one that stings for me is Mason Marshman with four points. This guy was a leaf farmhand and I loved his size and physicality and the kid could skate and he's showing it in Florida, picking up four points uh, for them last week. And I think he's going to be a fixture on this team that's going to bother me for years. Up next, the Los Angeles Kings. This is a team that I thought was going to come out of the gate strong, and they their old guard was carrying the, the load a, a lot of the way in the early going. Certainly, they'd been helped by the fact that Kopitar and Doughty put up some big numbers, but then Doughty suffered a serious knee injury, and he's going to be lost to that club for several weeks, maybe even a couple of months. And alongside him, Sean Walker, maybe their second uh, most important defenseman is also out for a little while on the back end so that's a terrible blow on the blue line and that's going to put a heavy load on Alex Edler who uh, responded a little bit to the responsibility by doing what he does and that's get involved in the scoring with two assists last week well I wonder where they'd be without Magnus Arvidsson's contribution this guy is another guy that's looked at to bolster the offense a key offseason signing and he's going to get every chance to put up some big numbers he got two assists last week and uh, more is expected of him, but there's a lot of pressure on the goalie tandem here. I wouldn't be picking any of the, either of those two guys, Quick and Peterson, anytime soon in DFS play. In Minnesota, some uh, more concerning news to come out of the morning. Matt Zuccarello placed on the league's uh, COVID list. That's a big blow for them when you consider he's their leading scorer, uh, I believe leading scorer for the year, or, or at least should be their leading scorer on, on most years. So, um, certainly a, a problem there for them to be without uh, without Zuccarello, a top-line guy. In terms of replacements, at least in, in a temporary look here, uh, it appears as if they're going to give Nick Bukestad a spot in the top six. Um, potentially Marcus Foligno could be a, a factor. Kevin Fiala, of course, can move up there. But do they really want to put all their eggs in one basket? They're also going to be without Rem Pitlick. As a result, he also ended up on, on the COVID list here. So suddenly forward depth, a, a bit of a concern for the Minnesota Wild. And I really think, uh, you know, they're going to need some guys to step up and have some bigger roles. One of the guys that, uh, you know, needs to step up big time here is Kirill Kaprasov, still without a goal this season, uh, had five assists to start the year, but now he's stuck in a three-game uh, pointless streak. It's certainly not for a lack of trying over, over the last four games, he's put three or more shots on goal. So he's certainly getting opportunities and, and trying to play his way out of it, but he's going to need, especially with Zuccarella out to step up big time. And uh, AJ up next, I'm going to talk about the Montreal Canadians and uh, still there with only one victory. They lost the deciding game of the, the 1919 Stanley Cup on the, on the weekend against Montreal when they lost against the expansion Seattle franchise, I'll say. They were touting that game as the tiebreaker for that, the year that they didn't actually settle the Stanley Cup of, over a century ago. So Seattle has, has uh, a lot to celebrate in the early going this year, and Montreal fans not so much. Uh, the goaltending has been, uh, I would say, subpar. Jake Allen not really playing up to the level that he did last season. But the, the defensive structure of this team has more to do with that than anything else. I watched a few of their games, and they're very loose on the back end. They do also miss Shea Weber terribly. And uh, for lack of a better word, they've been exposed in the early going. And I don't know what's happened to Nick Suzuki and, and Cole Caulfield. Neither one of them really uh, doing much offensively. I don't think they've got two goals between them. Uh, Suzuki did pick up a couple of assists last week and should show some life. Sammy Nico has equaled him, though, in that department, a cast-off from a couple of different locations around the NHL. He's being asked to play third-pairing minutes here in Montreal. The best news of all that I can say is Jonathan Drouin seems to have put his uh, off-ice troubles, uh, some depression and anxiety concerns, uh, a bit by the wayside, and he's off to a very good start. Picked up another three assists last week, and he's at the top of the Canadian scoring charts so far. Mike Hoffman also brought in to boost that uh, sagging offense. 
had two goals. And then another guy who was brought in to help offensively, Matthew Perot, had three goals all in one game, the lone victory that they have recorded so far this season. So uh, Montreal's uh, a team right now, I look at them and I say, who's playing in net against them? And that's the guy that I put in my lineup more often than not in DFS play with uh, the lack of structure and, and really anything good to say about the Canadians beyond that. I think that phrase probably applies to the the New Jersey Devils to start the year more because of injuries and, and lack of poor play. They've had to use Scott Wedgwood and Nico Dawes this season as Jonathan Bernier and Mackenzie Blackwood have dealt with, uh, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't played yet to start the year. Uh, Bernier started the first two, both wins, solid performances, but has been out for the last three. Now, both guys were at practice today. They had a four-pack of goalies on the ice, which is pretty unusual. So they are trending in the right direction, but injuries have also impacted the forward group. Jack Hughes has been out for the last three games with a dislocated shoulder, avoiding surgery, but no clear indication yet from the team as to when he'll be back. Miles Wood also dealing uh, with a lower body injury that has prevented him from seeing any action this year. So uh, really it's, it's how they've gotten past and, and through these injuries so far, uh, it's been mostly, you know, names we're familiar with. Pavel Zaka, three goals this last week. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, three assists. Now, uh, uh, Igor Sharangovich has two assists as well. But otherwise, um, you know, the names that I would have hoped, uh, you know, if I'm a Devils fan, the guys I would have hoped to have stepped up recently, Thomas Tatar, just one assist in the last three games. Same with Andreas Johnson. P.K. Subban, no points there for them. That continues to just be a disaster of of a contract for New Jersey. I'm not surprised they can't get rid of it because I don't know anybody that would want to take it on, but they will not be sad to see him walking at the end of this season. That's for sure. And over in Nashville, they have a couple of big contracts that we've we've ripped them, uh, a couple of centers there, Duchesne and Johansson, for a couple of years on this podcast, but the early returns are positive for both of these guys, AJ, and they both factored into a nice week for the Nashville club last week. Four points each, Johansson with a pair of goals and assists. Well, Duchesne had one goal and three helpers. Uh, a diversified offense is not something we talk about very much when we talk about Nashville, and a lot of it comes from the back end. And Roman Yossi, front and center there, the captain with a big week offensive to lead this parade with two goals and five helpers. Phil Tomasino, the uh, uh, guy who we haven't mentioned very much, though, among the offensive mix, two goals and one helper. So look out for him going forward and see if he can continue to hold on to that kind of a role. Ditto for Thomas Novak with three helpers. Fourth liner Nick Cousins even got three points. So plenty of offense being distributed here. I also think it's important to note that Dante Fabro, in what I've called for years a defense factory in Nashville, looks like he's finally ready to take the next step on the back end and be a credible offensive performer as well as sound defensively. He's got three assists in the past seven days. Well, one team that could really use an assist, and, and that's in net, is the New York Islanders. Now, Sorokin hasn't been bad to start the year, uh, three, two, and one. 0.933 save percentage, but this is not a team that's built to have one guy manning the crease. And, and they are, fortunately, it looks like going to get Simeon Varmarlov back as soon as possibly Saturday. It'll be interesting to see if he starts right away, but he's off the injured reserve, and, and that's the most important thing for them. And they will hope to have him back. Look, this is a team that has to continue playing on the road. Um, they've had six. They've got eight more to go before they get their home opener. Uh, so they're going to need both guys. You just you can't expect a guy to be starting every single night, including a back-to-back that they just uh, had him take, uh, Sorokin, that is. So getting Varlarmov back is, is going to be the biggest boost for this team and more, in my opinion, more important than who is or isn't producing on the back line is really resolving this net mining situation. We've highlighted some new faces in new places, AJ, and, and on the Rangers, they have a couple of guys that are factoring into the offense that weren't there last year. Bartley Gabrow and Sammy Blay got two goals and three assists respectively, carrying the load offensively in the past week. And Adam Fox, 
who has a, a trophy to defend among defensemen in the NHL, two assists last week, and I expect him to have a big offensive year behind the quality of offense that they can roll out in New York. Mika Zibanejad, one of the more underrated players in the NHL, off to a nice start with six points in seven games, has looked great. Ditto for Chris Kreider with four goals and one helper. And Artemi Panarin, a bit of a low-scoring start for him, only four points in seven games. I expect at the end of the year he'll be above them all. But I want to compare and contrast a couple of the second-year players. Uh, Alexei Lafreniere looks like he might be ready to take uh, the next step in his development. He's got a couple of goals and a helper through seven games. I like the fact that he's uh, he's taken a few shots on goal. He's third on the team with 17 shots among uh, all shooters here. But the same can't be said for Capo Caco. This guy sat out a few games, AJ, and uh, has no points in the three appearances that he's made with only five shots on goal. Is he going to be deemed a bust if he doesn't start breaking out soon? I wonder. But uh, they're not known for patience among the fandom in New York. So he's got his work as his game out before he finds himself in the doghouse with the gallery gods out there. It does seem, just to update on that, Paul, it does seem like Kako is going to play tonight. At least it's trending in that direction. So um, perhaps we'll find out. But I do, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying there. Um, he needs to figure out his, his offensive game. Been handicapped, obviously, by shortened season in the last two years. But, I, you know, when you draft a guy that high, um, the fact that his personal best in terms of goals sits at 10 and we're entering his third season is is definitely a little disappointing, and they're going to need to get him going one way or another. In Ottawa, they've got a couple guys going right now in terms of offensive production. Drake Batherson, four goals, one assist. Josh Norris, two goals, one assist. Getting a pair of helpers each out of Shabbat, um, Zub, and Tachuk. So they, they found some offense. What they need to find is a healthy Matt Murray. Uh, he missed the start of the season due to illness, played two games, had an unfortunate collision uh, with, I, I believe it was Kreider, uh, Chris Kreider from the Rangers, and then has missed their most recent game. He is going to travel with the team, so appears to be heading in the right direction. Um, but when he'll get into action, remains up in the air. It looks like probably not their next two, um, but they have an upcoming back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday, so that could be an option for him to play in one of those. AJ, at the beginning of the season, when we talked about the Philadelphia Flyers, we spoke about a retooled defense with a couple of veterans brought into the mix to add to their structure back there. It's working out so far, despite the fact that we also panned their goaltending tandem of, of Carter Hart, who had a miserable season last year, and Marty Jones, ditto in San Jose. They're together now as the goalie tandem in Philadelphia, and the early returns are fairly good. Carter Hart with a 2-1-1 and record. It's goals against is 274, but the save percentage is, is right where you want it to be, about 91.5%. And Jones, in his only only start, got the victory on a 40-shot uh, night when he stopped 37 of them. So his goal, uh, save percentage is 92.5 after that one tilt. So the net mining is not the issue here. And the offense seems to be producing fairly well, too. And the guy that's leading that parade is Cam Atkinson, who has fit in seamlessly here and is really running things offensively. I didn't think that I would see this kind of performance out of this guy, but he's on fire and a must play in DFS uh, more often than not. And alongside him, the usual guys that kind of are the signature pieces offensively uh, led the parade last week with Giroux with two goals and a helper, Sean Couturier with a goal and two helpers, Justin Braun, a big burly defenseman, two assists on the back end. Not the guy that you'd think would leap off the page statistically in that way when they have other guys like Yandel uh, in the mix and Provorov as well. Those guys will be there at the end of the season with 40 plus points apiece, I do believe. AJ, let's take a break as we normally do before we get to your favorite club. We'll be back. You're listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's signature NHL hockey podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, but uh, let's have a word from our main sponsor at Owner's Box. AJ, tell our listeners all about this great company. Yeah, absolutely. Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box new uh, Superflex salary cap game. A revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy games. The Superflex salary cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position, the main differentiator of the contest, gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box has NHL contests live on the site as well. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only 50K Salary Cap Contest. 
All right, partner, let's get uh, going here. But uh, please, one more reminder out of you. While I, I'm sorry to put you in double duty here, let's catch your breath for a second. Tell our <laughs> listeners again how they can reach out to us during the course of the week. I've been getting some good questions and providing as quick responses as I can to their DFS or season-long pools myself, and I'm sure you're getting the same traffic. Yeah, absolutely. We encourage you to send comments or questions they may have about fantasy hockey or your teams uh, to us on Twitter. We love interacting with all of you out there, whether it's season-long DFS questions or if you just want to chat about your team, we are happy to do that. You can reach me on Twitter at AJScholes24, and you can reach Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. If we get any really good questions from anybody out there, we will happily show those or share those rather and discuss them on our upcoming pods as well. Well, Paul, I'll just take us into it and, and dive right back into our, our look around the league here with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Might as well snag my own club here to start. Look, the fact of the matter is they're uh, doing better than anticipated to start the year when you consider that they potentially, you uh, I'll say potentially, but I don't really mean that. I would say lock three lock Hall of Famers are out of the lineup down the middle. You've got Sidney Crosby, Jeff Carter, and Evgeny Malkin all out for various reasons right now. Uh, how's the team supposed to overcome having three guys of those caliber? Not to mention they've also are without Brian Russ. They're without Chris Letang. I mean, so you're talking about five of what? Maybe their top six players on the team. Um, obviously, I would throw Jake Gensel in that mix as well. So really, uh, you know, important to – uh, to factor that in, the you know, how well they've actually done. Tristan Jari has looked more himself. Now we'll get a dose of Casey DeSmith tonight um, for those DFS owners out there. And the, the question, you know, who's been doing the scoring without those other guys? Well, it's been Jason Zucker with two goals the last week, Drew O'Connor with two goals as well. AJ, a team that has opened some eyes. We didn't think they would be anywhere close to Las Vegas, and right now they're not. But Seattle is certainly giving their fans something to cheer about. There was a raucous crowd both times that they defended home ice, and they lost their opener to Vancouver. But it was an exciting night, and I watched every second of it when they beat Montreal. They hammered the Canadians. You had to wonder who was the expansion team that was that bad. And they're getting some quality leadership uh, from Giordano on the back end. Jamie Oleksiak picked up a couple of helpers. I think their defense is quite credible when you can, can add those two guys and Vince Dunn. That's three credible defensive options on the back end that will score regularly for this team. Up front, Brandon Tanev with two goals has become an early fan favorite. Ditto with Jared McCann, who both of us thought might be toiling with our respective favorite teams at some point this season. He has found his way to Seattle, and I figure he's going to be the signature offensive piece on this team in, in year one, and the early returns certainly underscoring that situation. So uh, a nice story being written so far in Seattle, and I'm happy for the, the new fan base there. Well, one fan base to also maybe be kind of happy for, at least at the start of the season, is the San Jose Sharks, who are 4-2-0, which puts them sitting third in the Pacific. Now, obviously, Vegas will have something to say about that mix as well. Um, But, you know, for a team that uh, last couple of years has kind of been written off, it's certainly a trend uh, that that will have their, their fan base happy. And one of the guys that's fully responsible for that is Logan Couture with three goals and three assists. Timo Meyer also three goals and two assists. Um, th- those points coming in their last four games over over this previous week. Um, you know the the goaltending mix is an an interesting one to say the least. Um, when you consider it's Aiden Hill and James Reimer. Hill, for his part, uh, has three wins and just one loss in four appearances on the year. But that's with a sub-nine save percentage. So that's something to really keep an eye on. Reimer, for his part, significantly better uh, with a 9-6-1 save percentage, one and one. And I would expect him to get a few more opportunities based on those numbers. And AJ, up next, I get to talk about the St. Louis Blues. And this is a team that is going to be without their leader for a little while. It looks like Ryan O'Reilly is on the COVID protocol list. And that's a huge blow to this team. The number one center, their captain on the sidelines, but it's wily veterans around him that are starting to remind me 
of the team they had in their Stanley Cup season not so long ago. They're carrying the flag with style right now. When you consider David Perron, four goals, one assist. Vladimir Tra- Tarasenko, two goals, two helpers. Tori Krug, and, uh, not one of the Stanley Cup guys there, but four assists on his resume. Bra- uh, Braden Shen with two helpers. And Rob Thomas, who actually came to light in that Stanley Cup year. He's found his way into the top nine on a regular basis and sometimes top six. So the old hands are carrying the load and they're getting pretty decent goaltending from uh, Jordan Bennington. I have to get his name in there. (laughs) Uh, The big news out of Tampa uh, came out yesterday, kind of confirming what was suspected all along. Uh, Nikita Kucherov underwent surgery Wednesday facing an eight to 10 week absence. Now they're still just calling it a lower body injury. They They haven't offered... Um, more details on, on, you know, is it a knee? Is it an ankle? What what the situation there is? But at least for fantasy players out there, you've got a more definitive timeline uh, in, in terms of who or, or when he might be back. The question then becomes who's going to step into that top role. For a while, they had moved Steven Stamkos over to the right wing to play with Point and Killorn. That's changed the last day or two here. They've shifted Stamkos back to center. He's on what, you know, the 1B line, let's call it that, to, to call Steven Stamkos' line the, the second line is a little dismissive in my opinion. So the 1B group of, of Stamkos and Palat. So Anthony Sorelli going to start out with the number one group and Matthew Joseph with the 1B group here. Sorelli, uh, for his part, I think is the bigger player to maybe target, whether it's season long or uh, – or DFS because he's also going to be on that number one power play. So they're they're going to need some guys to step up here over the next you know two to two and a half months. They have the lineup to do so. They've they've gotten production out of point two goals the last week. Kalorn four points over the last week. Um, so they have the guys to to handle it. Um, and and I would expect that they'll they'll get through it. But any additional injuries are suddenly going to stretch this group. I, I'm certainly not suggesting that Sorelli or Joseph can fully replace Nikita Kucherov. That's just not possible. Um, but they have other you know, spots that they can manage it is what I'll say. But if they get any further injuries in the forward group, it's going to start to get a little dicey for them, I think. AJ, at the beginning of the week, I was dreading the fact that my turn would come up to talk about the Maple Leafs, but... Uh... <laughs> A uh, victory over the lowly Chicago Blackhawks have t- has taken me back off the brink. I'm I'm no longer going to malign this team like I was planning to do so. I'm rather going to point ahead to some positive news. Meet Peter Mrazek uh, is a guy they signed in the offseason to join this club in tandem with J- Campbell in the Nets. And Campbell's been heroic for the club uh, in the face of a lot of adversity in the early going. The goaltending hasn't been the issue when, when Jack Campbell's been in between the pipes, but uh, Peter Mrazek's been brought in to split the load, and uh, I think that he he will make a couple of appearances on the Leafs' upcoming five-game homestand. They uh, have been led out of the doldrums in the last couple of days, finally winning a game against Chicago. As I said, it's the veterans that uh, that showed the way. John Tavares two goals last week. Jason Spezza two goals as well. But it's the off-ice leadership that's being attributed to these two guys and even throw Wayne Simmons into the mix. He had two helpers that had kindly kind of got the wolves at bay for a day. And so maybe they can look ahead instead of look back and say, uh, the, the worst is behind us. We got that bad stretch out of the way. That's what I'm hoping for from this team that's really underperformed so far this season. Before the season started, we talked about the Oliver ekman Larson trade, and, and both of us, Paul, were very key on the fact that Connor Garland might actually end up being the biggest piece of this trade well Tuesday's game against Minnesota was the first time this season he failed to register a point he had a six game point streak going for him uh and and unfortunately for him saw that come to to a close there um but I would expect it won't take long for him to get back on the score sheet he is off to a fantastic start in Vancouver four of those points coming in this last week Bo Horvat, three goals over that stretch. Uh, JT Miller, three assists. Quinn Hughes, three assists. So the offense is doing pretty well uh, over that stretch. They've gotten decent play out of Thatcher Demko, two and one uh, over the over the last week with six goals allowed. They are going to go with Yaroslav Halak tonight. Something to kind of keep an eye on. 
I'm not as high on that move as, as others might be. Um, Halak, just one appearance to start the year. I, I think it's understandable that they're getting him in for another one, um, but it may not be the best time uh, to bank on Vancouver in terms of you know various uh, sports betting options you could look at or, or maybe even DFS um, with Yaroslav Halak. I'm a little more hesitant to bank on those guys tonight. And AJ, when it comes to talking about Las Vegas, of course, Robin Leonard is going to be a focal point because of some of the things that you said before the season started. He's got a two and four record, which is not great, but I'm going to say it's not all his fault. I think that the team has floundered in front of him a little more than I expected. Some injury concerns there with and COVID issues with uh, the likes of, of Stone and Pacioretty has really limited the offense and put pressure on some of the holdovers in the rest of the top six there. So that's a big reason why they're they're stumbling a little bit right now. But I think you can say that Robin Leonard's doing his part so far. It's just the rest of the team that has to answer some questions here in the absence of a couple of signature players. One of those guys is Chandler Stevenson, who I thought would be lost without them both. But he's performed well offensively, well enough to be one of the club's leading scorers in the early going with seven points under his belt already. And I think we can put to rest the fact that he's he has become more than a placeholder in the top six here and a credible option there to partner with William Carlson to give them a very decent looking one, two punch offensively. But when you consider that Peyton Krebs and William Carrier are now pushed into top six roles, that's reason for my concern. And uh, I mean, okay, they have some defensemen that can score on the back end there. The pressure's on them to deliver, of course, at both ends of the ice. When you talk about Martinez, Petrangelo and Theodore, they're, three of the leaders on this team, no matter which way you slice it. But in the absence of some key offensive pieces, and you can throw Alex Tuck into that mix as well. And uh, there's uh, some real concern in the early going in Las Vegas. Well, I'll start the the discussion of the Washington Capitals with some bad news to come out of, uh, out of there this, this morning. TJ Oshie blocked a shot last night and is now week to week which is a significant blow for them when you consider that he had three goals and one assist in the last week. Ovechkin continues to be Ovechkin, four goals, three assists over the last week, uh, leading the league in terms of, of goal scoring um, so far. So um, definitely a, a offensively powered team right now. Um, I think without Oshi in the lineup, you're going to look at a guy – like Connor Sherry to maybe step in um, to to that top six role. They could consider moving um, some pieces around with Lars Eller. Uh, Daniel Sprong could come into the lineup and just be injected into a second line role right away. Um, so they are going to have some tough choices to make, uh, you know, losing Oshi makes them a little bit, especially, you know, with Backstrom still out, obviously if Backstrom was, was in the lineup right now, this would be a slightly different decision, um, but I think having Oshi and Mantha on the second line, you didn't feel like this was a one line team, right? Now suddenly Oshi's out, you know, can Anthony Mantha really carry a line with, you know, with Connor McMichael and, and Connor Sherry? I'm not so sure about that. And so um, there's some big question marks and some big holes that the Washington Capitals are going to have to fill moving forward here. Well, the same could be said for Winnipeg, AJ. They've been without Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler for a few games now, but the club has not missed a beat. I'm shocked to report that their offense is in gear. They've they've averaged five goals a game in their last four starts, and a big reason why is the tandem of Kyle Connor and uh, Nikolai Ehlers. They, They got six and four points, respectively, to carry much of the offensive load, but they're getting good support from guys that were uh, not front and center last year. Paul Stastny was a good role player for this club. They plugged and played him uh, all over the roster last year, and he's got a first-line role and a power play role with this club right now. He had four points last week, and even better than that, Pierre-Luc Dubois has shown to be more, much more comfortable in Winnipeg to start this season. He had a total of five points last week, reminding me of, of the strong two-way player that was in Columbus the year they eliminated my Maple Leafs in the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. On the back end, they have found another credible offensive sort to go with Neil Pionk, and that's Nate Schmidt, one of the best teammates by all accounts around the NHL is what I've heard, but he's also a productive guy and a team leader here already. Five helpers on the ledger last week, 
And uh, another bit of a surprise contribution, Evgeny Svechnikov has been moved into play on the right wing on the top line. We turn our attention now to the DFS portion of our show where we take a look at the DraftKings and FanDuel lineups that AJ and I will put together. Uh, as we've done with prior weeks, AJ is looking after the DraftKings part, and I will counter with my FanDuel picks. I'm proud to say I'm four for five since I started playing this this year on FanDuel and uh, hope to make it five for six with a lineup I'll present to you in a minute. But over to you, AJ. What do you got for tonight's game? Well, I think the biggest advice I can give you for tonight's game, whether you like my picks, Paul picks, neither, uh, is consider stacking heavily against the Arizona Coyotes. They currently are allowing the most goals per game at 4.83. And perhaps more concerning is their penalty kill, which is coming in at a 35.7%. No, that is not a typo. No, I did not accidentally read their power play percentage. Um, They have a 35.7% on the penalty kill, which is atrocious. Um, So, you know, that's my advice is, is stack against Arizona, Fill out the rest of your lineup uh, however you want, whether you like our picks or not. Here's how I'm going to stack against the Coyotes. I mentioned that they've got Sorelli and Joseph playing top six roles. So I'm going to take each one of their centers and those guys in part because they're super cheap. So I'll take Braden Point at 6,200. I'll pair him up with Anthony Sorelli at 3,500. I'll take Steven Stamkos at 7,900. That rounds out my center spot. I'll pair him up with Matthew Joseph for 2,500. So doing a high-low for both of the Tampa top lines. It's also important to note with Point, Stamkos, and Sorelli, I'm getting three of their top power play unit guys, which is another important factor um, when you you look at, at this Arizona team. From there, to round out the rest of my forward complement, I have one winger spot here left. I am going to pay up for Gabriel Landeskog tonight. I think especially if Rantanen's out, it's going to be a good opportunity for him to really pair up well uh, with, uh, uh, with McKinnon there and offer some good value. On the back end, I'm going to start things off with Oliver ekman Larson. He has just two points on the year, but at 5,600, you have to consider the fact that no defenseman in the league right now has more shots on goal than Oliver ekman Larson. He's at 28, which puts him on the same pace for fourth, tied for fourth in the league uh, with uh, uh, John Tavares of, of your Maple Leafs here. So that says a lot about how many pucks he's getting on net. Uh, my other defensive piece is admit, admittedly a bit of a throwaway in Ryan McDonough at 3,100. He's not a power play factor, um, but he has had some decent offense to start the year. And again, he's on Tampa Bay. He's playing Arizona. I think getting any additional shares of them that you can kind of makes sense. Unsurprisingly, my net minder tonight is Andre Vasilevsky. He's the most expensive guy on the board at 8,500. Um, but, you know, if you look... Uh, for example, you know, I'm talking DraftKings here, so I'll stick with them. If you look at the DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, the Lightning are like minus 310 to win tonight. Um, clearly heavy favorites in this one. So I think using Vasilevsky makes a lot of sense. I do have a utility spot to fill out. Um, Paul mentioned stacking against Montreal as, as a really good option. I'm not going to have a stack here, but I'll try and get a piece of it with Tomas Hurdle. Uh, he's their second line Second line center plays on the number two power play for them as well and has, um, you know, been a little inconsistent to start the year. He had two points in the opener uh, and then just one goal in the last five games since then. But again, just kind of playing, you know, the positional odds. He's he's getting power play time. He's in a top six role um, and playing a really weak team here. That's what I did on, on DraftKings at least. Paul, were you were you heavy on the, the bolts tonight for FanDuel? Before I go there, I got to say, I don't think you've avoided the Pittsburgh Penguins on a DFS night ever before. <laughs> so that's a first here on podcast. You heard it here, I think, unless I mis- misspoke, AJ. Uh, but that's a first. Kudos to your team, though. I got to say, before we get into my picks, I'm impressed with the way this team has banded together in the face of so much adversity, missing their number one and number two centers. So there you go. A bit of a backhanded compliment in one way, but <laughs> your team smoked mine last week, so I'm feeling a little bit of humble pie in my throat uh, still. 
Notwithstanding that, I am going to target a couple of Calgary Flames, though, when I put together my team, and that was a segue that was intended. Elias Lindholm, as I said, I spoke highly of this guy. He fits in like a glove on that first line, and he's done so with great offensive production. He's averaging almost 22 points a game in FanDuel points, so uh, he's my most expensive forward in a quick look back at this club that I crafted together earlier today. 7500 is his uh, price tag. I'll pair him with Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks. I expect a high-scoring affair as they are hosting the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Suspect goaltending on the Flyers' circumstance makes me feel pretty good about putting Pettersson into this situation for $6,800. I think that's a low price tag for him, but he struggled out of the gate offensively a little bit to date. I spoke also glowingly of the tandem of wingers in Winnipeg, I took the cheaper of the two named guys, Nikolai Ehlers, and plugged him in to a game against Los Angeles tonight. He's priced at $6,600. The Kings situation is a desperate one when you consider the goaltending is really pressed due to the shortage that they have on the blue line here. There's really a lot of pressure on this team uh, defensively, and uh, I think Ehlers and the hot Winnipeg offense could take advantage of it tonight. I also picked Matthew Tuchuk from the Calgary first line. He's a a guy that they're giving more responsibility to. He was a second liner much of last season, but he's on the front line with with Lindholm, uh, and I think they've hit the ice running again this season. And with more more responsibility coming their way, and he needs to be a leader on this team. And I think he's accepted the role better this year than he did at times last season. He cost sixty six sixty seven hundred dollars. I agreed with your pick on Ryan McDonough. That's the only one that we have in common. But I viewed him more as a filler piece. I thought, who could I get a decent production up from when I don't have much more money to spend, given the other picks that I made? So he's kind of a filler, but a good one, I think, when you consider he's averaged twelve points per game and fans will play that's a good return for $3,600 I'd sign for that right now and I'll also look on a nightly basis I said at the beginning of the season look for who's playing Buffalo I know the Sabres have come out of the gate like gangbusters I don't expect it to continue and I look for a juggernaut team to take them out uh, more often than not but I also think Anaheim has a shot to do the same tonight at home the Sabres on our west coast swing I'll take Cam Fowler the linchpin of this defense and one of the two power play quarterbacks He's for $4,000, I think, a very good value tonight. I go to that Montreal game. i got to take a piece of the, the Sharks, don't I? And I mentioned the case for Timo Meyer earlier, five points in the past week. I think he continues that hot streak. Plug him in for $6,400. And I round out my offense with Cam Atkinson of the Flyers. I said I expect a high-scoring game in Vancouver. Atkinson has six goals in five games so far, looking like a great fit with the Flyer offense. They've got a lot of power up front. And they've got good support from three guys on the back end who could be productive offensively. So that makes me think we're going to see a lot of goals. And uh, one place where I don't expect to see a lot of goals, at least one end of the ice, is in San Jose. I'm going back to that game to find my goalie. I'm picking Aiden Hill, who's projected goal starter for the Sharks at home, costing me only $7,100. He brings a hell of a, a win probability alongside for that low price. So I'm pretty excited to get him in there. And I'll be watching that game while... AJ's uh, catching some Z's late tonight. (laughs) Partner, that brings us to the end of of our show. The second week of the season is in the books, and uh, it was a tight show for us today. We got this in quicker than we did some of the others, and fans can look forward to something more like this going forward. We're going to try and be concise with who's hot and who's not and who's hurt. Please remember to send your questions to uh, me, Paul Bruno, your statsman at statsman22. You can all those also follow AJ at AJ Scholes 2-4. Partner, you got any final words before I wrap this thing up? No, just, uh, you know, I, I think if there's a, a time I haven't used Penguins in a DFS lineup before on, on this show, it's just because I'd done so maybe in the, like, three previous lineups. So, uh, <laughs> never – I don't know if it's necessarily ever been quite as intentional – I was planning on using Crosby and maybe a few others tonight, but without sitting in the lineup, I, I just couldn't do it. It, it seemed like a, a tough play uh, to, to use them uh, tonight. Well, as always, we invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. Don't forget to check out Owner's Box as well. You'll be glad you did. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>